Welcome to Palm Vista Community Church for our Sunday sermon. The title of our series that we're currently in in the letter of 1 Peter is God's Suffering Saints Who Live for His Promised Glory. And so we've been preaching through this first letter of Peter, written in about 62, 63 A.D., perhaps maybe two years before he himself was martyred. And he was written, he was writing to saints or Christians living in modern-day Turkey who were suffering for the faith. And the title of this morning's message is Foundations. Foundations. And please turn to 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 13 to 17. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 13 to 17. Foundations are very, very important. Foundations determine the strength and stability of any building. As you see here in this slide, when you're first building a building, the foundation is something that goes in right away. It's often not seen. Uh, and there's a temptation to kind of skimp on the foundations. But if we do skimp on the foundations, if our foundations are not solid, when the winds of adversity come, our building will shake. When the floods come, our building will sink. I'm sure many of you remember when the winds of Hurricane Wilma came in 2005. You know, that year 2005 was one of the most active Atlantic hurricane seasons ever. You might recall the other major hurricane that year, just a small one by the name of Katrina that devastated New Orleans. But we were devastated by Wilma. I remember when that hurricane hit. I remember looking out my back porch, our backyard faces west, and watching Katrina advance on us across the Everglades. I remember seeing the, the burst of green and, and, and blue lights as it was just blowing up transformers, little knowing that for the next 10 days, our home would have no electricity after Katrina hit. And I remember one now humorous time, though it wasn't humorous at that moment, when my son was in our garage and we have uh, fitted our garage to be like, a, like an office. And for some crazy reason, when I looked up in the corner of the garage, it looked like the garage roof was coming off of the walls. Like the whole house seemed like it was shaking. And I remember screaming at Joseph, Joey, get out of the garage! The garage roof is coming off! And then suddenly, you know, not that I ever overreact, you know, and, and, and suddenly I realized, wait a second, that's just the light hitting the corner and that the roof isn't coming up. So we laugh about it now, but it wasn't funny then. But, but when you look out the back porch of your life and see the winds of an oncoming storm in your life, or maybe you're like me, you're standing in your garage and it feels like the roof is coming off the garage of your faith, of your life. I mean, the winds are howling. Perhaps the lights have just gone off. You've lost electricity. It's at that moment that the foundation of your faith, of your life, is tested. That's the moment when your structure, your home, will be tested. And it's the, it's the quality of the foundation that will enable you to sustain the winds of adversity, suffering, trials. This morning... Peter, Peter is going to write from this point on in his letter of 1 Peter, reminding 
the suffering Christians in the first century and reminding us in the 21st century that we can endure suffering, trials, the winds of adversity because we stand on an unshakable foundation. David mentioned that last week in verses 9 to 12. These promises, this inheritance that we look forward to. We sang about it this morning. Those things unseen. And here in verses 13 to 17, Peter is explicit. The foundation upon which we stand is God's blessing and the promises of God's blessing to us in Christ and God's promise that he will vindicate us in Christ. The blessing and the vindication that we have in Christ. That is the foundation upon which we stand, upon which the building of our faith, the building of this church is established. And that, friends, is what will enable us to sustain the winds of adversity, whatever they are in your life right now. I mean, for some of you, they are pretty severe. You are discouraged. Perhaps you're a little depressed. Perhaps you're losing faith. Things are happening that you don't understand. Perhaps you're under such pressure at work. You're thinking, how in the world can I get everything done? or I'm failing at work, or I'm failing at school, I just got my grades in from this semester, and it wasn't good, or my relationships are failing, there's conflict all around me, my children, my spouse, what am I going to do? I'm in a place of storms. How can I survive? It is the foundation of God's blessing of you in Christ, and his promise to vindicate you in Christ, that will let you to just stand. I remember a story in Cuba of a pastor in the eastern part of of Cuba. And I looked at this slab of concrete that was on a hillside. And he had built a a home right next to it. And I said, what's that? And he said, oh, that's the foundation that saved us when a hurricane came through. And he said, what I did was I took my, my wife and myself and my kids and I just tied us onto this foundation and just held on as the winds blew the house away, but the foundation remained. And God, the Holy Spirit, wants to tie some of you by his strength, not yours. You're going to let go at some point, but God will never let go. And the foundation that he ties you to is the truth that in Christ you're blessed even if you're suffering. And in Christ, you will be vindicated, though right now it's not looking so good. So let's read about that foundation, shall we? Let's read about our unshakable foundation, the blessing and vindication of God in Christ. So I'm now at 1 Peter chapter 3, and I'm reading from verse 13. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. 
Our ability to endure suffering stands on the foundation of God's promised blessing and vindication in Christ. Beginning here, Peter is going to hammer home that truth for the remainder of the letter. Here's the summary of this text on the screen. God's foundation of blessing and vindication in Christ prepares us for the winds of suffering. God's foundation of blessing and vindication in Christ prepares us for the winds of suffering. Friends, those winds of suffering are coming. Those trials are coming. Those temptations are coming. The temptation to compromise in the face of opposition from family and friends and coworkers or just an uncomfortability with the gospel that we live. The winds of conflict with classmates. And let me tell you, those winds may intensify, church, as our society moves further and further away from God and begins to look upon us as the problem as was happening in the first century. It's happening now. Our friend Cal is in a ministry right now that, that because of what they believe, the Bible, they could face lawsuits from the government. Uncle Sam coming after him because of the truths that they stand. We as a church, our stance on marriage, it's coming. Do you hear the winds gathering? But we're not to fear. We're not to fear because like them and like Peter is telling this first century church that is under increasing pressure from a hostile Roman government, he's saying to us, look to the foundation God has given us and live as those blessed in Christ and trust God who vindicates us in Christ. Point one. Live as those blessed in Christ. Rereading 1 Peter 3, 13 and 14. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them. And his, his face is against those who oppose us. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. This word now in verse 13, it points back to what David preached last week in verses 10 to 12. And what he's saying to them is this. No one can harm you because God hears your prayers. Do you see that in verse 12? God hears our prayers. We are his people and he promises to hear our prayers. Verse 12, for the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, that's us in Christ, and his ears are open to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. God hears our prayer and we do not need to fear those who would oppose us. And here Peter seizes upon this truth and he's telling these Christians and he's telling us today that our future inheritance means that we are blessed In Jesus Christ. This is the foundation upon which our faith rests. We're secure. It gives us a present hope and courage in the face of suffering. We can take the long-term view when we suffer for righteousness sake. We are blessed. Listen, it is common for an athlete or an actor to stand up when they're receiving an award or they've won the championship. And what is the first thing they say? I'm blessed. But you know what's less common for someone to stand up who's just lost that award or that championship and say, I'm blessed. And even less common, and what the world may not understand, is for us to say, you know what, we're suffering right now. We're suffering tremendously, but we're blessed. That's exactly what Peter calls us to do in this text. 
It's exactly what he's calling these saints in modern-day Turkey to do in this text. He's saying, let me change your perspective based upon the foundation that you stand on. You have a future blessing, so the present sufferings through which you can now say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I love how Juan Sanchez says it in his commentary on the screen. Since God is for us, and will bless us, there is no reason to fear man, nor be troubled. I want you to look at verse 13 again. Excuse me, 14. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. There you go. You will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. (laughs) Now, I'm going to pause this quote for a second. So you're, you're clinging to the foundation of your home, you're strapped to the foundation. Your kids are all strapped around you, even your cat, if you have a cat. And the winds are blowing. You know, your, your cheeks are just like that. And you're just going like, God, I know you say not to be troubled, but I'm a little troubled right now. Right? We're human. I can remember during Wilma, I remember at one point just looking out going, I remember saying this, God, you can turn the winds off anytime you want right now. And he didn't. It was another couple of hours. But he's saying we're not to be troubled. So back to the quote, nor be troubled by any difficult circumstance we may face during our life on this earth. This is a truth that we need to cling to. Yes, we do. And it clings to us. Praise God by the Holy Spirit. To sing. We sang it today. We're going to sing it again at the end of this service. We need to sing it together to meditate upon Who can really harm us if God will bless us? That's what he's saying in verses 13 and 14. That's our foundation. Who can harm you if God blesses you? No one. What can they take away from us if God will bless us? Nothing. At least nothing of value. We will likely suffer as Christians in this world, but that suffering is slight and temporary. I know it doesn't feel slight and temporary, and I'm not in any way belittling your suffering right now. I'm sorry for that. But God wants us to have eyes that see the unseen and a new perspective. Relatively speaking, it's, it's, it's temporary. It's slight compared to the eternal inheritance that awaits us. The worst thing that can happen to us is that we die and receive our promised inheritance. Now, I know it takes eyes of faith. Corey mentioned that. But that's the faith. That's our foundation, is it not? God's promised blessing of us in Christ is the foundation and filter, the foundation and filter by which we stand and through which we interpret suffering. How do you interpret your sufferings? What rules your heart in the midst of your sufferings? I, I, I know that they're difficult. We've suffered, our family. Desi and I have gone through a season of suffering. And I don't, it's hard. The trouble's hard, as we sang this morning. It's only momentary. And so I pray that God give you the grace as we cry together. But even in those times when we're not crying anymore, but we're walking through life, that today that foundation would get even stronger. That your heart would be ruled not by the present suffering, but by the future blessings in Christ. Instead of fearing what others can do to us, 
We fear God for what he has done for us in Christ. That's what he says here in verse 15. Read it with me, verse 15. But, that's an important conjunction there, but, it's contrasting, but in your hearts, all right, so let's go back to 14b. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. So, you know, it, I fear high winds and exposed bodies and, and buildings in the midst of a hurricane. But he's saying, no, have no fear of them and don't be troubled. But, so that's the put off. But, verse 15, here's what we're to do. But, in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord is holy. That's interesting. So the first thing I'm to do is to honor Christ the Lord as holy in my heart. It sounds a lot like the Lord's prayer, doesn't it? Remember what Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Holy be thy name. What Peter is saying is that Jesus is God. It's the same thing. Honor Christ as Lord, as holy in your heart. So I'm saying, hallowed be thy name. I'm clinging to that foundation. I'm tied into it. The winds are blowing. And what's the first thing I'm doing? I'm not rebuking the storm. I am, I am, I am, God is central in my life. And I'm saying, holy are you. I, I consecrate you as holy in my life. You're the center of my life. You lie at the very epicenter of who I am and what I am. And you are Lord. Who or what lies at the center of your life? Nothing will test it like a storm. Take away everything that you're used to. Take away everything that, that makes you comfortable. And that will, that will expose what's at the center of your soul. And it's Jesus. He's saying, consecrate him as holy at the center of your very being. Whom do we fear? God or man? Well, who's at the center of our hearts? God or man? Because we fear God and not man, then our response to non-believers in 15b is to give them a defense of the hope that we have, of that foundation we have. We talk about the hope that we have in our hearts. Now, when Peter uses that term, and look at it with me in 15b, the hope that is within you, you see that? Always be prepared, 15b, to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. That hope that is in you is Peter's shorthand for the faith, the, the gospel. The hope that is in you is what we believe, all right? It's just shorthand for Peter. So as we come to people, not fearing people, but fearing God, not being troubled because of the storms, though definitely tempted to be troubled, but we're clinging to God and God's clinging to us and we're on the foundation of the blessing we have in Christ. What we're to do, rather than being troubled and, 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 uh, and, and fear, we're to then give a bold defense of our faith. That's what some of our brothers and sisters are doing right now, whether it's missionaries in Nicaragua like Tony and Amber Ellswick, who we'll be visiting in the summer, whether it's Cal as he uh, teaches in Fort Worth at Southwestern Seminary this Wednesday night, whether it's uh, uh, Kevin right now as he's giving these um, conferences on anti-sex trafficking, and tonight he'll be meeting with folks. But we all get to do it in whatever venue. Whatever venue. You're asking me, wow, what am I going to say? Okay, I'm working on not fearing them or not fearing the circumstances, not being troubled, but defending this hope that is within me. But what would I say? What do I say? Well, in answer to that question, I would encourage you to go to the Go 301 class that just ended today. So transport yourself back in time 
or listen to it digitally because we talk about what to say. But not even that is sufficient. What, what, what I put my hope in is the Lord Jesus Christ's words to us in Luke chapter 12 when Jesus told us, don't fear man, fear God. And when Jesus told you, told them, I'm going to give you through the Holy Spirit what to say. Read with it, uh, me on, it on the screen there. Luke 12, 4 through 5. I tell you, Jesus speaking, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body. Tempted to, <laughs> right? I'd be tempted to fear if my body was about to be killed. And after that, have nothing more than they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he is killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him, verse 11. And when they bring you before synagogue, the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself. Now here, I believe he's talking about defending the faith. Or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour, what you ought to say. So I would say to you, the Holy Spirit's going to teach us what to say, but he usually starts by leading us to go to class. And then he brings to our remembrance what we learn in class, to read the Bible, so that we can then make a defense of the gospel to our coworkers, our neighbors, and our family. Listen, our faith in God's promises, in God's blessings, is demonstrated in the face of sufferings as we trust God and defend boldly the hope that we have before us, and we do it in a way that's gentle and respectful. Why? Because point two, we trust God who vindicates us in Christ. We trust God who vindicates us in Christ. Look with me at 15b. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. And how do we do that? Yet do it with gentleness and respect gentleness and respect and then look at verse 16 having a good conscience having a good conscience friends we can be gentle and respectful to those who are opposing us maybe even causing us pain and suffering if we trust god who vindicates us but if we start trying to play god by vindicating ourselves then we're no different than the talking heads on tv when they are so rude and mean to one another And we have to be different because we represent God. You see, I know in my heart, friends, that that I am most harsh and disrespectful when I feel the most threatened and vulnerable. But see, if our faith is grounded in two things, number one, I am blessed in Jesus Christ. There is a future blessing. I'm grounded in that. That's my foundation. And number two, God will vindicate me eventually, so I don't have to vindicate myself. When I'm grounded in that truth, when I'm grounded in the truth that it's before God that I stand, not this person who's arguing with me right now about whether Christians should um, be punished because they say that marriage is between one man and one woman. Or whether Christians should be punished because they talk about stewarding God's earth in a way that's biblical and not just a way that is just kind of crazy environmentalism where, where the environment is a God. And, and when suddenly we're, we're, we're in that moment and that person is you know, yelling at us, you know those cartoon pictures where the guy's just yelling at you, and you know, I can stand there and if I trust God, if, if I trust God, that I can say I can be gentle and respectful 
even when I'm being disrespected. But if I don't trust God, then I've got I've to defend myself that I'm going to start arguing and I'm going to be disrespectful. And, and we come across as just angry people, no different than the world. That word gentleness there in verse 15, is it describes our attitude toward people when defending the faith. Gentleness has already been mentioned back in verse 4 of chapter 3. It was the mark of a godly wife who is gentle. She's meek. She trusts God as she submits to her husband. It's the same um, quality that we're all to have as Christians. We're to be gentle. It's, it's what marked Moses. It's what marked Jesus. It's what marked Paul. It sets us apart. It sets us apart. Listen, gentleness is an unwillingness to establish my own justice, to defend myself, and to attack an opponent, but instead it commits my cause to God. It trusts God. So instead of a response that puts down the other person or criticizes the enemy, Peter wishes a gentle, humble explanation in tune with the attitude of Christ. And see the word respectful there at the end of verse 15? Respectful is our attitude toward God when defending our faith. We can answer gently, We can answer with respect because we trust and respect God. Your disrespect of others says more about your respect toward God than it does toward them. Are you trusting God or are you trying to play God? When we play God, we're harsh, disrespectful, rude. We may be funny and even cynical and sarcastic. It may sell newspapers or it may get uh, uh, podcasts listened to but it doesn't honor God. We may come away thinking we put them in their place, but God didn't have his place in our lives. See, we understand that we ultimately stand before God in these matters, not before that person to whom we are talking. He alone justifies us, so we do not demand their justification. We don't demand them to to say, yeah, you're right. We don't need to fight to defend ourselves from human opinion. Listen, the life we live amplifies the answer we give. The life we live amplifies the answer we give. You want to amplify your answer, then you live a life that's marked by gentle, respectful, courageous. I'm not flinching back, but I'm answering with a gentle, courageous heart. Oh Lord, help us to respond to our opponents in this fashion as the heat gets a little hotter in the kitchen in the days and weeks and months and years to come. May we be your ambassadors. That's my prayer. And in verse 16, that's exactly what's happening here. Have a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile you, your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. This is what Dan Cathy did in David's illustration last week, the CEO of Chick-fil-A, when he was slandered by the leader of a movement that was against them, that Dan Cathy did verse 16, did verse 15. He was kind without being compromising. He was gentle and respectful, but he was bold in his proclamation. But he listened, and then eventually, listen, it happened for Dan Cathy on this earth. It's probably not going to happen for us on this earth. But his enemy was put to shame. That leader ended up saying, you know what? I was wrong. I I judged this guy. He made a public confession of that. That's probably not going to happen with you and me. But let me tell you something. Those opponents... Those people who right now are crushing us into the ground, those people who are not giving an account to us, they will one day answer for it. 
We will be vindicated in Christ, not in ourselves. And let me just disabuse you of this thought. It's probably not going to happen on this earth. You're probably not going to get that person saying, oh, you know what? You were right. I was wrong. But they will answer. Before God, not me and you. We need to get off the throne that's God's throne. doesn't answer to me. answers to God. And they will answer. One day the abortionist who justifies the sale of baby parts will answer to a holy God. One day the activist who defaces the image of God and man by marring what true human sexuality and marriage is will answer to God, but not to Alpino. But there's something in Alpino that wants him to answer to me today. I'm God's rep here. You can give your apology to me. I'll pass it on to him. No, Al. Get off the throne. It's not yours. It's not yours. It's not yours. And at the end, verse 17, what does he say? <laughs> this is, he's saying this to people who are watching Wilma approach from the West. For it is better to suffer for doing good, comma, if that should be God's will. Oh, Lord, is that your will? <laughs> Can I choose? If that should be God's will, then for doing evil. This is a truism. Even Plato, even the, the, the Greek philosophers would have said this. It is better to suffer for doing what is right than for doing what is wrong. But that's not the main point I want you to see here. God is in control. God is the one who will vindicate us in Christ at his timing. He controls the timing. He controls the suffering. So when it's coming, I can grab onto that foundation and I can hold on by his strength and I can say, I trust you, Lord. You led me here. You will sustain me here for your glory and my good. Here's the appeal, church. The importance of a building's foundations is paramount to the longevity of that building. With a quality building will be a quality foundation. That foundation, if it fails, will cause great damage to the building, water damage, sinking into the soil. The walls perhaps will be damaged. But when it's a good foundation and money is invested in that foundation, that building will have longevity, will have fruitfulness. So here's the appeal. The appeal is for us to labor at the foundations of our lives and by extension it for the, in the foundation of the life of Palm Vista, that we might have years of longevity and fruitfulness. How do we do that? We do that by meditating on the truth that God is for us in Christ, that he has blessed us in Christ, and therefore we do not need to fear or be troubled. We do that by memorizing God's promises. Listen, go home, memorize Romans 8, 31 and 32. I don't have it on the screen for you, but Romans 8, 31 and 32. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him generously give us all things? And the all things there is the endurance to to go through suffering. Attend Go 301 or listen to it online. Learn how to defend the gospel when asked about the hope that is within you. Connect with one another so that we share each other's trials. Last Wednesday night at community group, we had a wonderful time. We were sharing each other's trials. The WhatsApp that the Pino community group had is just flying with all kinds of messages of encouragement. We had a woman who gave birth. It was a very difficult uh, 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 
delivery and, and, and had situations with parents, aging parents that are suffering tremendously. My wife will be flying to Phoenix tomorrow to care for her father who's now in the hospital. And so we're just, we're encouraging one another. We're connecting with one another. We're honoring Christ as holy in our lives, making this priority. He's at the center of my life. And I would just say this, if you're here this morning and, and you have not bowed your knee to Christ, if you do not honor him as holy, then I appeal for you to do so. Repent. Believe in Jesus. There is a promise of blessing and there is a vindication before God. And apart from that, there's just judgment. And I, I, I appeal, repent and believe this morning. Let us pray. Lord, I ask you to give us much grace this morning. I pray, Lord, that if there are those in this room right now who are suffering the winds of adversity and pain, whatever fashion, that you would comfort them, Father. That they would feel your hands around them, holding them. The cords of your love revealed in Christ's death and resurrection for them would be holding them gently in the midst of the winds howling around them. For those that are discouraged, for those that are disoriented, I pray that you would give their minds peace. They've gone over the solutions and the problems in their minds all night last night. And all they had this morning is a headache and no solution. Would you give them peace? A peace that passes understanding would guard their hearts and their minds in Christ Jesus. Lord, help us now. Lord, when we fear, help us to turn to you and look at the foundation May we not fear or be troubled, but may we give a defense of the hope, the gospel that is within us. In Jesus' name, amen.